So it's good to be in the house of the Lord, and we would like to pray and uh, spend our time talking about a subject that everybody hates to talk about. And just like any kind of destructive behavior, it's something that we always try to minimize in our life and say, it's really not that bad. In fact, it's so, we try to minimize it so much that we come up with different words for the subject of anger, you know, and so we'll talk about that too. It's a very convicting subject. It's a subject that actually is something that should be on our mind more often. All these destructive behaviors that we're talking about, whether it's fear or whether it's anger or whether it's uh, explosive talking or, uh, you know, the way we use our mouth and, and talk. Um, and so all of these things are very important and we don't want to minimize the importance of them. So much so that I gave you so many notes. There is no way we're reading all of those verses. I encourage you as you look in your notes, it is a great study as you look at how does God deal with anger? How does he define anger? How does he help us get out of anger and not to respond to anger in a way that is unrighteous, but a way that is righteous? And so there is no way that that we can cover all of that probably in the next five weeks. But I would love for you to study it, and I'm going to refer to it often in the course of our study as we continue in 1 Peter in a few weeks. Of course, we'll take a break next week and talk about our wonderful, beautiful Savior and the picture of our Savior and the resurrection. But then uh, the following week, we'll go back into, into destructive behavior and talk about guilt and shame. So this morning, let's pray, and then if you turn your Bibles to three, if you have uh, enough places to put your fingers in your Bibles, we're going to read three main texts that deal with anger, and then go from there. And that is Ephesians chapter 4. You can put your finger there. That's the first one we'll read. The next one is James 4. That's the second one we'll read. So Ephesians 4, we'll start in verses 17, but then we'll jump to James 4, and look at verses 1 through 7. And then we'll go to Matthew 5. So we'll flip back to where Jesus gives us an apropos description of anger. So Ephesians 4, James 4, and then we jump to Matthew 5. Uh, for some reason, it didn't work out in Matthew 4. Every other one did, but so we'll look at that inside joke on all the chapters being 4. Uh, but anyway, so we're going to read those. Those are all our main texts that we talk about anger. These are actually where we can find just about everything that we need to deal with with anger. We can find in these three texts. Uh, but, of course, Proverbs and, and, and a lot of Proverbs deal with anger as well. Uh, but these are the three texts that we'll look at this morning. So let's pray. Lord, just speak plainly, I pray, through your word. Well, Lord, we would not be self, um, that we wouldn't think so highly of ourselves that we would miss the importance of understanding the destructiveness of anger. Lord, that we would not uh, make, minimize it and disguise it, that we would not be distracted by me and my words or my failure to, but Lord, I pray that we would hear from you and that your spirit would teach us, encourage us, so that way we would have the tools to build up one another, 
to build up our community that lives in anger every day. And Lord, I pray that we would be peacemakers and that we would carry the gospel, the gospel of peace with us. And so, Lord, I pray that what you have done for us on the cross, that you died to take away the sin, to be our payment, Lord, to take away all of those things that we might know peace from the wrath of God. Lord, and as we carry that gospel every day, that we would also carry with it the byproduct of peace and that it would be ruling in our heart. And so, Lord, I pray that you would teach us and that we would be greatly encouraged as we seek to do your will and not ours. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Ephesians chapter 4. Listen to God's word as he describes and talks about anger. In verses 17, and then we'll skip to all the way, uh, 17 and 19 gives you the context. And then verses 26 to 32 talks about anger. It says this, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of their hearts. They have become callous and given themselves up to sensuality, greedy, uh, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Okay, this is what we're not supposed to be like. And then he goes on and talks about the, what, we, what he wants from us. So look at verse 25 down through 32. He says, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with everyone in need. Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouth, but only that which is for good, for building up, as fitting the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. James chapter 4. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire... Basically, it's saying that you idolize. You idolize something so much and you don't have it, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and you quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask, and you ask and you do not receive it because you ask wrongly to spend it only on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it, uh, or do you suppose it to no 
purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us. But he gives more grace. Therefore it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against his brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. Therefore, there is only one lawgiver, one judge, who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Flip Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. Jesus continues the same kind of thought. I'm sure James is speaking in chapter 4 there of what he knew from the teachings of Christ. In verse 21, he says, You have heard it that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. In fact, the judgment was death. If you killed somebody, the judgment would also be death. Capital or capital punishment. Verse 22 says, But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to counsel. And whoever says, You fool, will be liable to hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar... Therefore, and remember, your brother has something against you. Leave your gift, therefore, before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Wow. God is saying that being angry with someone is, he says, if you're, don't even come to worship me, God is saying. If, if you're angry or if you know somebody is angry with you, go deal with it right now before you even Go to worship. It's that important. He's saying anger is a tantamount to murder. In fact, we use anger every day to murder relationships within the body of Christ. And he's saying, look, leave your gift at the altar. Don't even worship me. Don't even sacrifice to me if you are angry with someone. Go and deal with your accuser and then come back to worship me. I like that in verse 25, it says, Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you're going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to stand guard and you will be put to prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. Wow, anger puts you in prison. And God says, look, if you don't deal with your anger, Jesus is saying, look, you're going to have to deal with it until the last penny has been paid. This is, after you look at all of these verses this morning, from Ephesians to James to Matthew, we learn about anger. We learn this, that anger is a strong feeling of displeasure or hostility caused by a real perceived or a real or a perceived offense. Many times anger is just about a perception. It's not about reality. It's a perceived offense, injury, or it's 
Anger is because of an unmet desire to oneself or to someone else. We don't feel like somebody is living or helping somebody else the way they should, and so we get angry at people. Usually accompanied by the desire to retaliate or seek revenge, it is, we feel like it's our job to bring them the judgment so they, they feel exactly what we feel. Well, let me give you the three words here. Thumas, orge, and pergamos. There we go. I can't remember how to say that one. That one is not used very often. But this, that third one is the one that gets me into trouble all the time. Thumas is like, it's, it's like building up this explosive anger. It's anger that you bottle up like in a thermos, Thumas, and you just explodes. It's boiling, it boils over. It's like a stick of dynamite inside of a thermos. It's explosive. Orge, it's the long-settled attitude indignation, and frequently seeks revenge. The last one is to provoke. It's anger mingled with irritability or exasperation. Have you ever said, oh, I'm just irritated at someone. I'm not angry. I'm just irritated. I'm just frustrated. That's my favorite one. Because partially I never say frustrated right. I usually say frustrated. I forget the whole R, you know. I figure if I don't say it right, it doesn't mean I'm angry. But how many times have we said, oh, I'm not angry at you, I'm just frustrated. It's that, that's the word right there. It literally means to frustrate or to be frustrated. When we say I'm frustrated, it, we, we disguise anger all the time. But the reality is frustration and irritability and exasperation is just anger. It's a different kind of anger. We want to make sure people know I'm angry. And we've gotten good at it, at explaining it. I want to tell you that not all angry is necessarily sinful. God gets angry, right? God is always getting angry when people distort the truth, when people do not worship him. Because God is righteous. He is holy. There is no one like God. And God feels indignation. Psalm 7 says, God is a righteous judge and a God who feels indignation every day because God, nobody meets the standard that is God. Well, we read in our text that he went, Jesus went through the triumphal entry and then he gets to Jerusalem. He, gets, he goes into Jerusalem. He gets to the temple. And what does he see? People buying and selling and making profit, extortion. They would be selling doves and lambs and they'd be selling all these things to make money and so much so that they'd put a bank right in the temple to exchange money jesus said this is not how we worship and he threw everybody out jesus got angry righteous anger which arises solely right uh the problem is 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 we think we're righteous and righteous anger, which solely, it, the problem is, is that this is which solely comes from a passion for God. And this is very rare. This is what Ephesians is saying. Be angry and do not sin. This righteous anger is so rare. We think we have righteous anger, but the reality is, is many times our anger is not righteous. Usually we are angry for selfish reasons. 
we're angry because of pride, hurt feelings. We, then we express anger in sinful ways. Uh, we, we don't express it the way that God expects to, perf- uh, to, to make it. And in, in when we deal with one another, we talk wrong about people. Um, Seneca, a Roman philosopher, he said this. He said, anger is not, if not restrained, is frequently more hurtful to us than the injury that provoked it. Think about that one. Many times, how what anger does to us is more hurtful to everyone around us and to ourselves than what provoked us to anger in the first place. Leave out our, 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 uh, our writing folks, uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson. He said this, For every minute you remain angry, you give up 60 seconds of peace of mind. Every, time you're, every minute you're angry, you give up a minute of peace. Plato said this, There are two things a person should never be angry at. Okay, two things. What they can help and what they cannot. That tells you something. Not to leave out our, our esteemed uh, uh, ladies, Eleanor Roosevelt said this, anger is one letter short of danger. Now let's see what God says. We read the scripture. But the destructive, destructive snare of anger let me put it this way. Anger, guys, is so destructive. It'll destroy a church in a matter of a blink of a second or a blink of an eye. I mean, just a matter of seconds. It, it'll spread like wildfire and destroy. It destroys our community. Just look what's happening because of an accident. I mean, if you've noticed what's been going on in our community, I mean, the vitriol, the wrath, the anger, and, the, and for people that weren't even involved in the accident. It's ridiculous. The destructiveness and snare of anger, it just snares you, and it it lassos you when you least expect it, and it destroys. Anger never builds. It's destructive. God's anger does build. Uh, We could go through all of those things that talks about that. The number one destructive thing is, is that all anger seems righteous. There is a way that seems right unto a man, but in the end it leads to death or destruction. Proverbs 14, 12. There's, there's a way that seems right, the Bible tells us. 16, 22, I think, says the same thing. There's a way that seems right. See, all anger always seems right in the moment. James 1, 20 says, People get angry because they believe they have been treated unjustly. But James 1.20 says this, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. God's righteous anger produces righteousness. Our anger does not produce righteousness or right living. They, it always seems right. Uh, anger breeds the desire to get, in, you know, to get even. Romans 12 talks about that. Some justify anger saying that I, I just can't help it. But Romans 12, 19 tells us, it says never avenge yourselves. Uh, it tells us don't get angry. Don't sin. 
All of these commands are because it is a choice. We can control our anger. God has never given us a command that we cannot follow. Some even become angry with God. Uh, Job 2, Romans 9, a couple references that talk about that. Never underestimate this, that all anger seems righteous. You, we downplay anger all the time. The second one is anger is an attack on the heart. That's why I put that picture up there. I don't know if you can see it. Uh, Tammy was grossed out by it. She was like, ah. <laughs> but if you see that little uh, like monster hands poking out. Anger is an attack on your heart. I mean, think about this. Uh, Mark 7, verse 20 through 23, it says, and he said, Jesus said, what comes out of a person is that defiles him. So what comes out defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, covetous, wickedness, deceitful uh, sensuality, evil, slander, pride, foolishness, all these things come from within, and they defile a person. Ecclesiastes 7.9, Be not quick in your spirit to become angry, for anger lodges in the heart of fools. See, anger, guys, is so important because you need to learn this because it will lodge in your heart and it will change your life forever. Don't underestimate this, that anger will always attack your heart. Whoever is slow to anger, Proverbs 16, 32, is better than the mighty, than the mightiest of person. If you can be slow to become angry, you're better than everyone. And he who rules his spirit, so if you, you, you control your heart and don't let anger to lodge there, you're better than anyone who can take a city or destroy a city. Anger lodges in the heart. It attacks the heart. But then thirdly, anger is murderous by nature. In our text, in Matthew 5, 21 through 22, you said, he said, you've heard it said that those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders is liable to judgment. But I say to you, anyone who is angry with his brother is liable to judgment. If you go to other texts, it tells us that he equates, he says, look, anger is a tantamount to murder. James chapter 4, he tells us the same thing. What causes all these things is because you have a passion that you are warring with your heart. You want something bad enough and somebody else is keeping it from you. And so they're either keeping it from you or they have what you want, so you kill the relationship. It's murder. We murder relationships all the time because of a form of anger, of one form or another. Living for yourself, thinking about self, thinking about what you want, thinking about what other people have that you don't have, and you don't trust in the Lord, and you trust in yourself, and you become angry, and we murder relationships all the time. This is, we see this in church all the time. We see it in families all the time for people who won't speak to each other. Anger raises your risk of being out of control the more we let anger control the heart, the more murderous we become and we act upon it. We say and do things that we would never do otherwise in our life. We, 
when I lost my thyroid, I found out something. I found out the thyroid helps control a lot of things. I grew up in a very angry home. I learned what anger was really long, uh, really early at age. I saw a lot of physical abuse. I saw a lot of emotional abuse. I knew what it was like. I saw anger every day. And I, I was scared me to death, and I never wanted to be that way. And I fought anger. I fought anger. I fought anger. I thought I finally got control of it. And everybody used to comment, you're the most peaceful person I know. I've been spit at by a, an elder. Not here. <laughs> I've been punched by somebody in my own church. I've had to remove somebody from a camp and say, you have to leave and call the police because of anger. And people are like, I can't believe, Pastor. I thought you would punch them, but you were so calm. I thought for sure that I had gotten, I'm like, I'm, everybody tells me I'm the most peaceful, calm. My thyroid quit, and I realized I began to lose control. Everything that I thought I had control of was gone. It was like all emotion was gone. I mean, the governor in my life, the Holy, it's like the Holy Spirit left, and I became angry like that, or I would sob and cry like that. I had to stop counseling because people would tell me their problems, and I, I would beg with them to, to fix their problems according to God's word, and then I would just sob afterwards. I became, and my wife was like, what's going on? And then my kids saw it a few times. I, lo- I just, they would do something wrong, and I just get angry, and I lost control. And they were like, this is, they've never seen that before. My wife had never seen that. She's like, whoa. And just because you think you've got it figured out doesn't mean you stop working on it. And I began to realize real quick. And I just prayed, and I gave my thoughts to the Lord, and I prayed and prayed. Everything I told everybody, and I realized, even though my thyroid had quit, and I had to figure out all the medicine, was not an excuse, but I learned what it was like to lose control, and it scared me. And I had to pray and pray and pray until I allowed God to control me again. And I began to realize I cannot look at what people do. i got to look at who God is. Anger rises your, raises your risk. It's like... If you're going to drink and you drive, you're going to get in an accident sooner or later. It's just a matter of time. You don't deal with your anger. You're going to get out of control and you're going to do something you would never do otherwise that goes against the spirit that God gave you. Anger gives the devil a foothold in your life. Remember in Ephesians chapter uh, chapter 4, verse 26, it says, do not be angry, do not sin, do not let sin go down on your anger. It says, and give no opportunity for the... Don't give this devil a foothold in your life when you get angry and you don't deal with it in a biblical way and you don't go to the Lord and if you act out your anger, you hold it in and let it take root in your heart and you become murderous and then you lose control. You have given the devil an opportunity to destroy your life and destroy other people's lives around you. And that's a good question. This is, do we want the devil to have a foothold to be able to steer us? That's what the word opportunity, it means to steer your life. Yeah, you, know what, you know what the idea is, is? I don't know if anybody's been rock climbing before. I, I used to teach rock climbing. I used to do it a lot. 
I took, it was great. I took that in college. I was able to take rock climbing and how to train people and teach people to, be, to do rock climbing. It was great. And I loved it. Uh, and I remember the first time I'm scaling about 50 feet up, and all of a sudden I realized I don't know where I'm going to... I was like, oh, I don't have a foothold anywhere. And it scared me to death. And, and, but here's the thing is, 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 it should scare us to death if we give Satan a foothold to steer and direct your life. But that's what anger does. It destroys relationships, communities, and it destroys churches. God's very bride that he died for. This is the other thing. As it gives the devil opportunity, it anger is destructive and leads to many other sins. I like it what Proverbs 29, 22 says is, a man of wrath stirs up strife and one, and one gives to, and one given to anger causes much transgression. Do you notice that? He causes much, many, lots of different kinds of transgressions. Plur, it, it, the, the idea is, is it hap, it's going to happen a lot, the transgressions against people, against the Lord. Anger is so destructive, it will lead us to many other sins that we normally would not do because we lose control. And anger, this also should scare you, is contagious. It is contagious. That's why Proverbs 22, 24 through 25, make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. Remember, anger is a destructive snare. It, it will... It will catch you, and you will become just like the people you're hanging out with. If you're hanging out with angry people, it's going to be contagious. That was my greatest fear growing up. And I, I remember my youth pastor giving me a swift kick, literally, in the rear. And, and I was afraid to get married because I saw what my, my adoptive dad was like, not my dad that I have now. Barry is not my biological dad, but he is God's biological dad in my life. So I call Barry my dad. But my adoptive dad uh, is, because I was adopted, he was so angry. I was so worried that if I got married, I would, my family life would be just like that. And my youth pastor kicked me in the butt and says, that is not where you've lived your life. Your life has been lived in Christ. And he says, you have all of this understanding of who God is. Live the way God has, what God has given you. We should be, realize anger is important to deal with. And it's important to deal with it biblically. Humble yourself before God. Humble yourself and abandon your rights. We've got to stop treating ourselves like we have rights. Rights lead to anger because when our rights are stepped on, we become angry and we want to get our right back. Lay your rights down before the Lord and pick up the cross. The only right we have is to spend eternity in hell because we are sinful creatures. But Christ died on the cross for our sins. He took those, we gave him his, our rights, and he gave us his righteousness. 
Guys, people in this world, even other believers, are going to trample on God's righteousness all the time. So it shouldn't surprise you when they do something that's sinful. Humble ourselves at the foot of the cross. Abandon your rights. Philippians chapter 2. Jesus told us, or God says here, have this mind which was also in Christ Jesus. And what did he do? He humbled himself and lived on earth for, so he could die. Can you imagine that? He lived to die. To die for us. He humbled himself. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator of the universe stepped out of heaven, came down to earth so he could pay for our sins. James chapter 4, verse 10. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he... will See, stop trusting in anger to exalt you. Anger is the root of, of pride and saying that I need to be lifted up. Humble yourselves before God and let God lift you up. Confess your sins to God and to others. Confess your sins to God and to others. Matthew 5, 22 Deal with your sin, right? He said, go and deal with your anger. Deal with, if somebody's angry against you, deal with it. If if you're angry towards somebody, deal with it. Don't put yourself in prison. Confess it. James chapter 5, verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Pray for a righteous person uh, pray for a righteous person has great for a righteous person has great power as it is working. Confess your sins, not just to God but to each other, and pray with one another. It's important. Do it quickly. It says in Ephesians chapter four. Don't let sin reign in your body. Don't let anger reign in your body. Don't go to sleep if you're angry. Deal with it. As soon as you you have possible, identify your idolatrousness. Uh, Your thinking, your desires. Identify, say, why am I angry? Is there something that I desire so much that it's worth murdering somebody over? What is it that I want so bad that I'm not getting that's causing this me to choose the circumstances and causing anger? You're choosing to respond to the circumstance in anger. What is it? Identify it and give it to the Lord. Say, Lord, there is none like you. Whatever it is that you desire, the idol in your heart, get rid of it so that way you're no longer angry. Here's the key right here. It's in red. See God in every trial. Anytime something comes in your life, see God, look for God. And replace false trust in your actions with renewed trust in God. See, anger is saying that you trust what you desire, what you want, and you're trusting in your ability to use anger to get what you want. Stop trusting it. It's going to destroy your life and everyone around you. It will not solve, anger does not solve problems. Look for God. I gave, look at all the verses I gave you there. We could spend 
two or three years on all those verses. I like 1 Corinthians 10, 12 through 14. Therefore, let any one of you think that he stands, take heed lest he fall. I have to remind myself that every day. I can be angry. I have to say that every day. I can be angry. I can sin. But I have to look for God in everything. Look at verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you that which is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you to be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. We're going to be tempted to be angry all the time. We're going to face trials that we're going to want to be angry. Don't. Look for God. He will give you an escape. He will give you something to, so you say, oh, there's a bridge. I can get across. I don't have to be swept away by anger. Look at verse 14. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. We have got to stop believing that we're that important. God's grace helps me to exercise self-control, patience, gentleness. God's grace enables me to speak with gentleness and grace. God's grace enables me to be loving, to do good to those who wrong me. God's grace enables me to receive correction even from those who hurt me. That's the hardest one, right? I, that's, when I, that's when we all dread the most. The people that we know are, not being, are being sinful towards you Right? And they're doing things that hurt you and they, they correct you and they're right. Oh, that hurts. But God will enable you to receive it, to deal with it. God's grace helps me to pursue and restore relationships with those who hurt me. And remember this. Their sin, by the way, when people hurt you, their sin is against God. Their sin isn't against you. By the way, Psalm 51, verses 3 through 4, David is telling God, against you and only you have I sinned. Let me ask you a question. Did did David hurt Bathsheba's husband? They murdered him. Did David hurt Bathsheba? Yes. Did Bathsheba's son die? Yes. Did David's son die? Yes. So did David's sin affect other people? It affected other people, but did he sin against them or did he sin against God? We've got to remember all sin is against God. This will help you communicate. You need to communicate using God's wisdom to solve the problems. In Ephesians 4, it tells us this. Be honest, keep current, attack the problem, not the person. That's the key to not being angry and to give angry a foothold. Attack the problem. Act. Don't react. Put a plan into action. Look at these, these seven things that you must that we need to do to be biblical. So you can act and not react to problems. Number six. Ask, ask yourself six questions. I like that. I put it six on that reason. It's the sixth point for the six things. Right? So six things. Ask yourself six questions before uh, this. Do I have all the facts straight? 
Should I, should love hide it? Should love for people hide it? Is, is my timing right? Now listen, if you're dealing with somebody and, and, and you want to go deal with it and talk to them, if, if a person just died in their life, should you go deal with it and confront them? Do you think they're going to handle it right? No. Is that being wise and timing? Right? Is my timing right? I like that Proverbs talks about that. Is my attitude right? You can also write down Galatians 6, uh, 1 through 4. It tells us to pray lest you also fall into temptation or fall into sin. We need to make sure our attitude is right before, you know, before dealing with our anger or a problem. Are my words loving? Is my speech gracious? Have I prayed for God's help? That should be your first one. Number seven, as we close, wait and build up and let love diffuse it. Wait, build up, and let love diffuse it. Ephesians 4.29 says, let your speech build up one another. 1 Peter 4.8 says, your love covers a multitude of sin. 1 John 4 tells us that God is love, and his love actually perfects us during unloving times. Look at 1 John 4 is amazing. James 1 also tells us the same thing, that when we're patient and we let patience have its perfect work, it perfects us. God's very love that he gave us will perfect us. And love, that's why love diffuses all problems. Because of what God did for us. Do you have a gospel perspective when it comes to problems in your life or do you have an anger perspective? Are you quick to seek retaliation, get revenge, make yourself look better, or are you quick to identify the cross of Christ? Say, I have a Savior who died for me just like they died for them. God loves them, God loves me. And like God, are you going to take the time to let God's love perfect you so then you can let God perfect them. Let patience have its perfect work. Be slow to speak. Right? Quick to, and quick to listen. Quick to listen. Be slow to become what? Angry. Let love have its perfect work. It's the gospel. Are you letting the gospel control your life? Let's pray. Lord, as this is that time of year when many people will listen or hear the name of Jesus, but their heart is hardened by anger, other emotions. Lord, I pray that we would not get ro- give room to anger, but that we would defeat it at all costs by going to the gospel and laying down before the cross, and continually saying, Lord, I am not important, but Lord, you are, your love in which you have loved me, that you died to pay for my sins, to redeem me, to purchase me back into the family of God. I have to have that gift. I have to have that act of love that you have offered to us. 
I pray with all my heart that we would set anger aside and we would promote your, your risen Savior, our Lord, Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that right now, that whatever we're dealing with, Lord, I know that we're always dealing with some emotion. But Lord, I pray that we would give it to you and respond to you, cast all our cares on you, because, Lord, you carry us through those times that we'll give you the trust in our life instead of trusting in our own actions, our desire to try to force it to make it right. We force the issues. Lord, I pray that we would care more about the cross and less about ourselves. Lord, if it's your desire, I pray that you would infuse new brothers and sisters in Christ this Resurrection Sunday, this Good Friday, that we would not be crippled by emotions, but Lord, by a desire to see more people brought into the family of God through what you did on the cross. Lord, may we carry the gospel in our mouth, in our hearts, in our footsteps, in all the things we do, all the things we say. May we love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Putting aside ourselves and lifting up the cross and getting no room for the devil to steer us away from the, from the cross. So that way people are blinded to the cross. Those, Lord, I pray that we would take in the gospel to our neighbors, our friends, our coworkers this week and proclaim freedom from our sin through the cross of Christ, through the resurrection, conquering death, the perfect Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Lord, I pray that it will be on our hearts, minds, and all in our actions this, this year, this week, every minute of the day. Lord, forgive us for our angry thoughts, our angry desires that doesn't make room for you and your love. And I pray that we would all desire your love over our anger and our rights. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.